Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roque. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll discuss the FCC proposal to levy fees on amateur radio licenses. We'll also tell you about some MERS radios from Dakota Alert and some really big summer rebates on Kenwood and Motorola business radios. Plus, We'll tell you about some late-breaking news from the FCC regarding an order in the matter of Garmin International. We'll also take some of your comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Your radio specialists. On August 26, 2020, the FCC released a proposal to amend the schedule of application fees on various radio services. This Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, MD Docket Number 20-270, seeks, among other things, to add new license application fees to the amateur radio service and adjust the current fees on the GMRS. This is a sudden, unexpected, and somewhat contentious proposal. Uh, Well, it's certainly gotten a lot of attention. The the proposal seems to ask for comments from users of FCC services, and uh, they've gotten a lot of them, mainly from what I can tell from amateur radio operators who are unhappy with the proposed changes. Now, let's talk about some of those proposed changes for just a minute. Their, their proposal includes several things. They're, they're proposing to reinstitute an old fee and add some new ones uh, overall. Well, let's back up a little bit. They, I, I want to talk about specifically what the proposal is. I, I read most of this proposal, which, which um, wasn't fun, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's very dry. And, they usually uh, are. Yeah, this this proposal is not specific to amateur radio or GMRS. This is this proposal is a entire revamp of all of the the FCC fees, the way they they do fees in general. And what they complain about early in the document is that thirty years ago fees were set by Congress to be a certain amount, and then the FCC had no control over those fees other than adjusting them for inflation from time to time. So what happened now is in 2018, Congress passed something called Raybaum's Act, R-A-Y-B-A-U-M, Raybaum's Act. I'm not sure what that's all about. But in Raybaum's Act, they basically task the FCC with figuring out for themselves how to cover the expenses of handling applications. Um, 
Whereas previously, the fees were just set by Congress and they didn't really have any direct relation to covering processing cost. Now, Congress is saying, you guys are in charge of setting your own fees. Just handle covering the operating cost for, for processing applications. So what this proposal does is assign fees to all of the services that they provide. And supposedly, those fees are in proportion to the amount of work required for processing those specific tasks. And this re- this includes fees across the board for, for all types of radio services. This, this includes commercial radios and, and television oh, and, and all that kind of stuff. It includes all of that. Everything the FCC does, the, the wireless communications portion um, of – the fee handling, I guess, is what I paid the, the most particular attention to. And, and there they've divided things up into three different categories, site-based licenses, which includes um, land mobile or business radio licenses, which we deal with, but also personal radio licenses is another category. And then a third category is geographic licenses, which seems to mainly cover cell phone type um, setup. So it for us, we're mainly concerned with the site-based portion and the personal radio portion. Okay. So among the fees that we are really concerned about today, besides the business radios, are primarily the uh, fees for the amateur radio service and for the general mobile radio service, or GMRS. And there's some right. good and bad. There's, there's a mix here of, of good and potentially bad or not so good. Uh, I guess depending on uh, where you sit, but let's uh, let's take a look at those. Let's take a look at the uh, amateur radio fees because I think that's the one that's really causing the most contention with the radio service communities that we're serving. That's right. Amateur radio used to have zero fees mm-hmm. from the FCC, at least. So getting a new amateur radio license, um, it. Was normally would be a nominal fee that you would pay to, um, I believe, a VEC, which is a, basically a test administrator. Am I am I right about that? Yes. You, you pay them a, a small fee, and then they would enter your data to the FCC, who would then approve your license, issue you a call sign, and then you would see no new fees, and you could even renew your license later for free. Is that correct? That's correct. And mostly those fees went to the cost of actually administering the test. It, it really, it, it, it was really more of a, I guess, just a, I mean, we're talking a fee of anywhere from between 10 and $15. It, it, it was really right. that low. Right. And you, you can see, uh, no one was complaining about that fee. You can see that you know, $15 is not a lot to ask for someone to give you a test, grade the test, enter your data into the system. It seems very, very fair, if not maybe a little too fair. Um, right, because they, they pretty uh, much did all the work. They did all of the uh, paperwork and the processing and everything for the FCC, basically, you know, in a nutshell. And, uh, you know, they submitted to the FCC, and really all the FCC had to do was just kind of enter it on their end, and it was all good. Well, enter it on their end, and then they're all good. Sure, that's that's maybe what we say. But uh, reading this document, actually, what they say is, uh, well, maybe we should talk about the fees a little bit first. Yeah. Specifically, that fee is going to go to fifty dollars for a new amateur radio license. Also, 
$50 for a um, renewal mm-hmm. of your amateur radio license. Or for changes. I think major changes. I don't know if that includes the uh, like of change of address, but I, I there were some other changes that you wanted to make. I think you also had to, to pay a $50 fee for some of the major ones. Yeah, it's not for administrative changes. Administrative mm-hmm. changes like an address update or, you know, that, that type, that level of thing is still free. Mm-hmm. Um, and they specifically mention in the document that they don't want to discourage people from keeping the, um, their information up to date, which makes a lot of sense. So I'm not sure. And they didn't provide any examples of what a, a minor modification that would be $50 would be for an amateur radio license. The only thing I could think of was maybe an upgrade to a vanity call sign, but that's listed separately as a $50 yes. fee. And that's something else. So right now we have new and renewal licenses incur a $15 fee and a $50 fee for a license upgrade. Like if you're going up from a, uh, say, if you're going up from a technician to a general, then uh, that would incur a fee. But there, uh, yeah, that that could be a minor modification. That that's probably well, it's it's a fifty dollar application $50. fee for for that. That's a, that's actually listed separately. It's a, a fifty dollar fee for that. So um, there you have that. But uh, fifty dollars for a vanity license, and that's interesting because they did away with the vanity license fee, which I think was a lot less than that before. But they did away with that a few years ago, and it was met with a lot of applause from the hams and, of course, a, a little bit of a rush to go get vanity licenses because of that. And now, after just a few years, they want to bring the vanity license fee back, but this time it's going to be fairly hefty. Well, it's no different yeah. if you go get a vanity license plate. You know, you pay, you know, here in South Carolina, you pay your registration and your tag and your tag fees for a normal South Carolina license plate. If you want something that says ham radio guy or whatever, you pay that. You, it's a, it's a added option like anything else. So I don't, I don't see that one as a problem. I don't see the yeah, vanity license as a problem. True. Which is why I don't have one. Cause I don't want to pay another 50 bucks for any of that if I don't have to, but the, you know, to uh, everyone. Well, now's different. the time. If you, if you want yeah. one, get it now while it's free <laughs> before they pass Definitely. this. But then we have something else. We, we have another fee. Now, most of the fees, I don't know if I, yeah, we're going to get to, to the, uh, contentiousness of this from the hams in, in a few minutes. But I think the one that I really have an issue with is the $50 fee for a printed copy of the license. And I'll tell you why. They, they want to charge $50 to print a copy of the license. And we were talking about that before the show. Um, you know, if you, if you want to get a copy of the license, a printed copy, yeah, sure, if you really want that as opposed to printing your own, then you should pay a fee for it. I agree with that. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. The, the, the problem I have is is how much of a fee should be charged. I really think that $50 for, I mean, $20 maybe, $25, okay. You, you could literally buy a printer for $50. Yeah, I, really, really. And $50, though, I think is extremely excessive for something that I did. Who, I... I don't get it. How does it cost $50 to print 
a license, unless they are taking it off to a print shop or something and having it done, which I, I doubt. And even then, it, it shouldn't cost that much. But I can print licenses all day on my inkjet printer, and that's what it looks like this is, basically an inkjet print job of some sort. Uh, I, I don't see this being an offset print job, so I don't know why it would cost $50 to print that, unless they're charging for the time uh, it takes for an employee to do that. But l let's be honest here. If it if it costs, you know, if if they're paying somebody $50 at the FCC to print a license and mail it to you, we have another problem here altogether because who's making $50 to print a license at the FCC? Um, I want to know about that. It, the same way I want to know why it costs $200 for a hammer. You know, it's... <laughs> It, it's it's way too excessive. I I don't know. I, I have a problem with that. Twenty dollars maybe, maybe twenty five if you throw in the postage. But well, I, mean, I believe the FCC is trying to eliminate the mail option altogether. It's my belief that the FCC wants to completely eliminate the option to mail anything uh, like a physical license and and all that. Because there's a uh, paragraph here in the in the proposal that says, in instances where an applicant elects to receive a physical license by mail, including requests for a duplicate license, the commission incurs cost for printing and mailing the duplicate authorization. The commission has proposed to eliminate these services, but to the extent the commission does not do so, we propose a fee of $50 to cover the cost of these services. So it sounds like they're trying to get rid of even the option to mail, but as long as they're still doing it, they're going to charge a $50 fee for it. So they're trying to discourage it, but in order to do this, they're going to charge excessive fees to make sure that that happens, is what you're saying, um, to discourage, uh, so, to discourage yeah. people from, from doing it. Yeah, um, I think that is a punitive fee. Anthony, I know you have some thoughts on this. You're for the $50 charge, right? On which? On, for for, on which for printing the license. For what? Printing the license? Yeah, for, for sending a printed license. I mean, here's where I stand on it. If you have $50 and you want to spend $50 on a printed copy, it's your $50. Mm -hmm. It's not required. You know, you're not required to spend fifty dollars to get a printed copy. Like you guys said, print it off on your your inkjet if you, if that's what you want. But if you want it on, I'm sure the the piece of paper it comes on is very official looking and and. Uh, um, I actually don't it, think it is. Is it not? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine just sending on a piece of Office Max paper. I, mean, I actually kind of official. Uh, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember my amateur radio license because I, I haven't looked at the actual piece of paper in so long, but I get the business licenses when we handle licensing for a customer, and those aren't very official. I'm looking at mine. It looks fairly official. It looks like they printed it on, on some uh, special some special paper. I mean, it's definitely not anything like uh, what they print a, a, a dollar bill on or anything, but it looks kind of uh, special. And I'm holding my, as a matter of fact, I'm holding my license right in my hands. I, yes, it is framed. And I'm holding my original license right here in my hands. I have it right in front of me. And, um, and yeah, it looks pretty official. But 
and but I could easily print something like this up myself. I, it wouldn't be on official paper. I could go get some nice, nice uh, other, you know, linen paper or something to print it up on, and and it would be just fine. I don't need I don't need an officially an official looking document uh, on special paper to know that I'm a ham. Yeah, I I get that some people like having the piece of paper that shows that they have a license. For me, you know, I'm fine just being in the database. All that really matters is that you're in the database with a call sign. And um, that's I'm I'm good enough with that. You know, there are companies personally. that go out and do that. They'll say, send us your licenses and we'll print up a nice certificate with your license uh, on it or a nice uh, metallic plate or, or whatever it is. Uh, there are companies that do that. And, they, and I don't think most of them even charge $50. Hey, I just thought of a great new product we could offer at buy2wayradios.com. We can there you offer go. license printing services for thirty nine ninety nine. How about that? There we, we can go. even laminate it. <laughs> What's in it? <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, so anyway, aside from from that little rant, uh, as far as the other the other fees are concerned, fifty dollars for the application fee. For new and renewals, what do you guys think about that? I think the renewals is going to be the uh, tough to swallow part because a lot of people probably get into the ham radio hobby, and you know, like most things, how many hobbies have you tried and then given up on or whatever at some point in your life? Well, probably the number of licensed hams and the number of active hams is very different. Right. Like I imagine mm-hmm. the number of active hams is a small percentage of the number of hams that are licensed. Well, when this license actually expires, most people, if they have to pay $50, if they're not active, they're just going to let it expire. So you're going to see the numbers go down considerably of the number of, of ham radio operators in the country because yeah, they're not going to spend $50. Refresh my memory. So when my applic- when my call sign expires, do I have to retake the test? No. Not as so long as I- you as long as you get in, you know, at least ninety days or up to the day of the, the time that you uh, have to renew your renewal date, as long as you get back into the system and, and just click your renewal, uh, it it should just renew it for you. And I think that's pretty much automated. I don't see how I don't think there's anybody at the FCC watching these things and saying, "Oh, you're you're due for a renewal. We're going to send you out a renewal letter or something." I, I don't think because I, I think it's totally up, it's totally on the ham to to remember the renewal date and then go online and renew. And since it's online and all they're doing is just clicking something that says, "I'm renewing," uh, doesn't that just sort of become part of the system? And I mean, I don't see where there is any paperwork or, or anything on the FCC side where someone actually has to do something in regards to Then why to let that. it expire? Then why, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, if you have, if you have somebody that takes the test and then two years from now they decide they don't want to do it anymore, hey, this is boring, whatever. Why why have an expiration if you're not going to charge a renewal fee? Mm-hmm. Why why have an expiration at all? 
Well, that's an interesting an interesting point. Um, I can I, see it in the interest of of keeping a clean database. Like maybe you don't want um, you want it to keep it limited to active people. Perhaps that's the goal, and perhaps that's the reason that charging a fee it makes sense if if the goal is really to get the people that aren't using it out of the system. Charging a fee would do that, whereas. Maybe if I haven't used my ham radio in 10 years, but I'll, all I have to do is go to the website and click renew, um, I would probably do that just to avoid taking the test if I ever wanted to take it back up. But for 50 bucks, you know, no thanks. If it's a matter of keeping things current, uh, I can see where you would need to have a, a renewal date, and in which case I think it's sufficient to be able to just go in, click I renew, and then renew it. I mean, if you're interested enough in renewing your ham radio license, I, I think that's, that should be sufficient. I don't, once again, I don't see the logic in charging somebody $50 to renew. Now, if, if they really, really wanted to um, ensure that people were renewing and that they were serious about doing it, Maybe a five dollar or ten dollar fee at the most, but I don't see where the fees come into this if it's pretty much an automated system, so to speak. Uh, I, I really don't. I really don't get that. Okay, let me read you a paragraph from this uh, proposal where the FCC explains the fifty dollar fee, and this is their explanation. This Ready? is for the this is for the renewals. Is what you're saying? No, no, no. This this is for. All of these automated things. As far as the FCC, a new license and a renewal is the same amount of work. Neither one of them are any work. (laughs) (laughs) Because it it says right here, they say um, mostly automated. All this is mostly automated. All of it. So they made the same fee for everything. Uh, Here's what it says. Other applicants, and this is in the personal licenses section. So it applies to GMRS, Amateur. um, There's a lot of them. Uh, Other applications for personal licenses are mostly automated and do not have individualized staff cost for data input or review. For these automated processes, new major modification, renewal, and minor modifications, we propose a nominal application fee of $50 due to automating the processes routine ULS maintenance, and limited instances where staff input is required. Although there's currently no fee for vanity call signs in the amateur radio service, we find that such applications impose similar cost in aggregate on commission resources as new applications and therefore propose a $50 fee. They're saying that the $50 fees, while they require, while they're for things that require absolutely no intervention from staff, the $50 fees basically cover uh, keeping their database up to date, keeping uh, the servers running, hiring developers to continue to upgrade the ULS database system, um, and the limited instances where staff is required, like if a ham has to call and um, ask a question of somebody, it, it, those $50 fees pay for that. I want to know what Anthony thinks before I jump in. Uh, what do you What do you make of that statement? Um, well, I mean, it, it's like anything else. It, it's it's going to cost money. I, I'm curious where the other fifty. You know, it's fifty dollars across the board. You know, the, all the four things that we're talking about are fifty dollars across the board. Like, hey Jim, pick a number. 
Yeah. Uh, 50 bucks. <laughs> you know, that sounds, you know, let's just put it 50 bucks across the board. You mean even for printed copies? Sure, why not? Somebody's dumb enough to pay it, they're dumb enough to pay it. Um, yeah, it is know. sort of like they, they said, well, if it's uh, if the real cost is less than 50, let's, we're just going to round everything up to 50. Right. It I sounds mean, like I, they didn't I, put I, a lot of thought into it. I mean, if that's their if that's their argument, I, I here, here's my here's where I am on it. I think that if a ham has been invested in this for ten years, thirty years, fifty years, they're not just going to stop because of a fifty dollar fee. I, 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 that's where I, and that, that's kind of stuff, keeping their database clean and their servers, this, that, that's going to cost money. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be anybody that drops out because, oh, I got to pay a 50, but you know, what is it? It license good for every 10 years. So yes. $5, a $5 year. a year, $5, $5 renewal fee is ridiculous to me. Because that's that comes up what fifty cents a year, so that's that's kind of where I'm at there with that. I mean, I think that you know I, I'm curious to see where they got the fifty dollars. I'm sure they they I'm sure they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, to on this <laughs> this uh, this proposal right here. You know, yeah, they, with their I, lawyers and their their brains. I'll tell you where they're planning going. to get the fifty dollars from. They're planning to get it all from us. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they absolutely spent a lot of time and money coming up with this new proposal because while it is not really uh, applicable to the personal radio services because it, they're all basically automated, like the um, site license proposals, like where they went into um, creating new fees for the business radio licensing. It's all based on um, the amount of work required. Uh, like a technician is going to, on average, be used this amount of time for this type of license. And they really went into detail for that. Um, I mean, you, you can tell they spent a lot of time and a lot of math figuring out what those fees should be. But then uh, when you go to the personal services, it looks like they just like held their finger up in the air and said $50. Yeah, it's like $50 an afterthought. It's like an arbitrary number to to me. That's what it looks like. I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you what I think on this. I think that that whole paragraph where they're talking about the costs incurred of maintaining the database and everything is bogus, simply because of what they said as far as well. You know, this really doesn't. Most of this is really automated for the personal services, so there's really not a whole lot we have to do. So we're going to charge you $50 to help us maintain the database and maintain uh, you know, the servers and everything else that we, we have to maintain for this. Well, wait a minute. Hold on just a second here. Don't you have to do that anyway? Isn't that part of the whole system anyway? I mean, don't you have to maintain is, the servers but, in the database? But, Why, where, but doesn't where is that it have that? to come from somewhere? Does, come from yeah, somewhere. it comes from all those that, other fees that they're charging everybody, you know, all of the other um, – uh, all the other services, all the other ah, uh, operators. On so their you're services. proposing you're proposing that the other services should subsidize the ham radio service. Well, it's up there anyway. The server's online anyway, and by their own admission, the their uh, the personal radio services don't really utilize that much 
of the the system resources. It doesn't utilize that much. It's a it's a minute amount compared to everything else that is using up the well, resources of that system, the server. Plus, you you know you look at the fees for the other um, systems. They're charging quite a bit in fees for that. Well, if if this isn't using, if the personal services aren't using that that many of the resources, um, why not? At least, if you're going to have to charge everybody something across the board, why not uh, be proportional about it? Maybe a little more proportional about this rather than just fifty dollars straight across the board for everything. And then, well, I think say, that is proportional. You Isn't think so? that exactly proportional? You're asking for it to to not be proportional. Well, no, they're saying that it's using very, very little, very few of their of their resources. Almost no resources is almost totally well, automated. So, if that's the case. Um, that really shouldn't cost uh, the uh, hams much of anything to to go off and and, and get their licenses or renew them. Well, you here's know. the thing: I I did some math. Um, they the FCC did 179,000 business based licenses in 2019, site based licenses, 179,000, and they did 197,000 personal radio licenses in 2019. So if you assume that $50 is coming from every one of those licenses to fund the system, then that's $18.8 million that they're going to bring in to cover running the system. The question is, does $18.8 million seem like a reasonable amount to run and maintain the ULS database and the, the staff required to um, answer phone calls and reply to emails and uh, do upgrades on the servers and um, I guess uh, maybe add enhancements and you know there's probably some several software developers in there and all that is is 18 million dollars too much I, I don't know well we don't know because they don't give out the exact figures of, of what the actual costs are to maintain all the systems. Uh, that they're using at the FCC to do all of this. But I can probably, I, I can guess, I can surmise, if it's using almost nothing, uh, very, very few of those resources, it seems to me that 18.8 or whatever it is, the figure is, uh, in millions of dollars, is uh, quite quite a chunk of change to, uh, to contribute to maintaining those servers. And I would guess that it's probably more than really what what they need to manage the amateur radio side and the GMRS side. That's just my guess. I, all I'm saying is I, I'm I'm calling BS on their on their reasoning. That that's what yeah, I, I I say. I have a feeling that most of our audience is going to be with you on this one, but um, I'm not. I, I'm okay with it. I, I feel like these services they should pay for themselves. Like. It, this is something where if you want to be, if you want a business radio license and you want to use certain parts of the spectrum and the FCC has to do work to make sure that uh, you're not interfering with other people, it's reasonable to charge a business license fee. We, we're asking the FCC or the FCC has decided to um, govern the amateur radio and the GMRS services. If they want to charge a fee to cover that, I I guess I'm okay with it. It doesn't seem to be a unreasonable fee. I mean, fifty dollars for ten years. Um, I don't know if I 
if I should ask my mom to, through her taxes to pay for my to subsidize my ham radio license, you know? I don't have a problem with charging fees if it's needed, but fifty dollars I think is excessive for for the especially across the board for for the amateurs, especially since they've gone on for so long without charging any fees whatsoever, and now all of a sudden they're going to jump it up to fifty dollars. Um, I don't know. Well, I have I, a problem with that. I did note that uh, in the document, there's a couple of places, particularly when they're talking about amateur radio fees, where they point out that they are being required to charge fees of every service now. It's hmm. not something where they where the FCC has said, well, we want to put a fee on amateur radio. The Ray Bombs Act is requiring them to put a fee on every service individually. So um, they're saying that Congress is requiring this, or, or is it yes, just uh, the, the commissioner, just uh, Edgit Pie? It's the, it's Congress. I've, I've flagged the paragraph where they talk about it specifically in regards to amateur radio. And it says, we note that while the statute previously limited the commission's authority to charge fees only for specific services listed in the act, the Ray Bombs Act now requires the commission to collect fees from several previously uncharged services. As such, several services in the personal licenses category will be subject to new fees. One such example is amateur radio service licenses, which were not listed on the fee schedule in Section 8 of the Act, but are now subject to fees under the broader mandate of the Ray Bombs Act. So they're throwing it off on Congress. They're saying that this Ray Bombs Act passed by Congress is requiring them to charge fees uh, of all the services that use their resources, basically. It's all Congress's fault. Yeah, well, it probably is. But I'll, I'll say this. Why does it have to be $50? So it seems to if they have to charge a fee, it seems like you know, maybe 20 bucks is probably more reasonable for, for the hams, all things considered. See, it's, especially if you want to kind of I'm, ease them I'm into not that. Sure. I'm not sure that it's unreasonable because reading this document, they went through considerable lengths to make sure. You can tell. that I mean, they, they, they did a lot of math. They got a lot of salary information from uh, the employees that would be – I mean, they, they literally say in the business section, like, this is going to require this much of a highly technical person's time. It's going to require this much of an engineer's time on average to do these licenses. I, I feel like they did put in the effort to make sure that, that the fees actually were very related to the cost. And if you read mm. – the in, just the introduction of this proposal, they go to great lengths to stress that what they're doing is trying to cover their cost with these fees, and they're what not are, trying to do anything beyond that. What are they paying an engineer to input a li, uh, an amateur radio license? Uh, what, what are they paying them? I mean, uh, uh, they're, they're not boy. for an, an amateur radio license. That's for a business radio license is where they mention okay. the engineer um, engineer's time. Okay, but it, but even so, if, it, if it's even a clerk uh, that's uh, doing something with the license, or, or just maybe reviewing it, or something that's just being input into the system, I mean, they're, uh, you know, how much are they paying them per hour to to do this? It must be a lot. This FCC people <laughs> yeah, must be I'm making sure a lot of money. In Washington D.C. is a lot of money, but. Yes. Um, 
I think that where you see these $50 fees is what they've done is take the cost of all the employees that are related to running their ULS system and their, their computer systems and probably their call centers. They've probably take, taken all those costs and divided by the number of licenses that they get every year and said, oh, well, we need to put roughly $50 on every license to make this up. And that comes to $18.8 million. I, 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 yeah, I, I still call BS on, on some of what they're saying there as, as far as the costs and, and uh, the resources I, I, involved are concerned. I, 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 I don't doubt their numbers. I, I don't have any reason to think they're lying about their numbers. I think what it comes down to for me is should the $50 fee for the amateur radio service, assuming that that's an actual valid fee, assuming they're not lying and making up numbers – um, if, if that is legitimate money that they need to, to recoup, should that be subsidized by other services? And I think there's an mm-hmm. argument you could make there, like maybe charge the business licenses a little bit more so the amateur radio licenses could continue to be free because like reading a lot of these comments, they, they, they're very, they make some very good points like, well, um, ham radio operators um, – go out of their way. They, they often volunteer. They help with emergencies and they mm-hmm. help with weather situations. So uh, maybe amateur radio operators is something you want to encourage. So do you subsidize the amateur radio cost by increasing the cost somewhere else? And um, FCC is kind of, they've thrown the ball back to Congress there <laughs> saying, well, uh, we're not even going to consider that because this this uh, act of Congress requires that we spread these fees evenly. But they've also been soliciting comments from uh, from hams, from the public on that. And they have a ton of, I mean, a lot of comments on these. I don't know if we can really read any. I mean, they're all public. I don't know. If, you know they're, they're, they're publicly available. So I don't know that that's really an issue to read some of these. But going yeah, through them, read all you spend want. some time. I mean, we spent some time going through these, but I can say this uh, from everything I've read so far. I think there are one or two people here that agreed with the fees, but overwhelmingly, and not surprisingly so, but overwhelmingly, the vast majority of those responding were uh, definitely against it, against the fees. Yeah, I had Um, to, to go through many, many pages of comments to find. Um, a comment supportive of the fees. But it does seem like most of the people that are commenting are commenting without the, you know, having done a lot of reading on the situation or really understanding what the FCC is trying to accomplish or um, taking into consideration. It, that, assuming, again, that the FCC is not lying and they actually have to charge fees on this service because of an act of Congress, that I think Knowing that would change how a lot of people would comment. The federal government well, does not lie. <laughs> <laughs> According to that. the federal government, yeah. they don't lie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking at one of these comments right now on the FCC's website. It's a, it's a public comment, so I don't think it's a problem in, in – in, maybe paraphrasing some of this. But you know, th- this person is saying that they're strongly opposed to the proposal – uh, because amateur radio plays a significant role in uh, providing disaster communication support. I think that's important right there. Uh, and most of the licensees are 
at an age where it's kind of difficult to participate in some of those events. And so that, so it's really important for them to attract new hams, but the, this new generation of hams is going to be significantly impacted by the fees and may think twice before they get an amateur license um, at all, simply because the fees are where they are. And, and this person's concerned that, um, that having the fees on there will actually reduce the number of, of uh, people getting into amateur radio. And that's, I don't, that's, that's a significant, I, I think that's an, that's a good. That's a valid point. They're all valid points. I I don't know. I don't I don't really buy that um, because you don't think so? there's no there's already a barrier to entry for ham radio, right? That's like, true. You you have to. Um, it's it's not something you can just decide one day that you want to get into and then get your license the next day. You you've yeah. got to number one spend money to buy a radio. Number two, you've got to spend money to uh, or you've got to pass a test. So you've got to go find a testing location and you've got to to study for the test and you've got to take and pass the test and you've got to pay money to take and pass the test. It's inexpensive, but it does cost money. So you're already in um, for, even if you go inexpensive, 50 bucks, right? For radio and for passing the test. I don't know that somebody that's willing to go that far is going to not go the extra $50, right? Okay. I'm, I'm going to take you up on that because okay. um, here you're having to, first of all, uh, study for the test, get learn about the service. So you're right. having to invest in money into the, into the study materials, the books or whatever, which by the way, we do carry it by two way radios.com. I had to throw that in there. Uh, well, you I know, you have that, to, right? yeah, you have to invest in all those study materials. Then you have to invest in the time, and time is money for a lot of people. Uh, to to study, it it takes you a few weeks to study uh, if you're really diligent about it. Uh, two or three weeks of study, and then you have to go pay mm-hmm. money to get the test, then take the test, and then after all that's done, once you get your your license, then it's an, a matter of investing in all the equipment that you want to invest in, depending on. Uh, where you want to take your hobby, uh, it could be as little as you know, fifty, sixty bucks for a for your first dual band handheld radio, all the way to up to to thousands and and possibly tens of thousands for a for a, a fully decked out ham shack, uh, you know, with all kinds of HF equipment and everything else involved. So it's sure. it's you know, th- there's a lot of investment there already. And I think the adding fees on top of all that sort of uh, it 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 adds more it adds more of a burden to what they're already have to you know what the hams are already yeah, having I, to experience. I agree. I agree. It does add more of a burden, but I don't personally think that the fifty dollars is going to stop too many people. I agree. Um, like if you were if you're planning on building a ham shack and buying a $2,000 HF receiver or transceiver um, and an antenna and you're installing a $50 license fee is not going to stop you. Now where it might stop someone is if I'm a high school student, I'm working at Taco Bell and uh, I'm kind of interested in this and $50 really is a struggle for me to get. And I've, I've scrounged to buy that Baofeng radio and uh, maybe some test material, 
maybe the extra $50 would make a difference there. But I don't even know if it would. I, I think that someone that's that into ham radio that they're going to dedicate what's already a large portion of their income to buy the equipment and take the test, they're probably just going to wait longer and save up for the license. Okay, well, here's a, here's a different take. Here's, here's a slightly different take on the same argument that, that I was presenting uh, from someone else in here, and I'm paraphrasing again. He's saying that, you know, everyone knows that the amateur radio service has in the past and, and continues to now to provide emergency communications during natural disasters, and, and, and they do that at, at no cost to anyone else except the hams. They, the, they're the ones that have to incur the cost for that. Uh, the hams do. But they do all this stuff at their own expense voluntarily, but at the same time, the hams are forbidden, and he's using the word forbidden here, from receiving any compensation for operations. So they, and they rely on all the influx of new operators to get to, you know, to keep filling the ranks. So they're saying, well, you know, if we're, if we're, doing this all at our own expense, and we're providing a public service with no compensation from anybody, from the government, from any other organizations, and we're not allowed to uh, recoup any money ourselves because this, you know, they're, they're forbidden to, to make any money doing this. Uh, that puts them in kind of a, uh, a sort of a, a catch-22 situation. You know, they're, they're kind of stuck footing the bill for everything, why would anyone else want to get into the service anymore if they're charging license fees on top of that? Yeah, I, I do think that's a valid point. I, it's just that I don't like the thought of someone that, that's volunteering their time and they're, they're volunteering to help in, in emergencies and that type of situation, but now you're putting an expense on them that's required for them to, to help. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't like that, but I, I don't know what the answer is. I know I, I, I do think that you're talking about a subset of ham radio operators. Now that there's sure. um, a few, um, you know, when you look at overall number of people in society, a few of them are willing to go out of their way to, to be nice and to help people all the time. And they're always volunteering and, and doing great things. And it's, that's a subset of the, mm -hmm. the overall population. And it's the same way with ham radio operators. It's not everybody that gets a ham license that's going out every weekend and, and providing weather monitoring services and, uh, and that. Um, so I don't know. I guess where could you draw the line? Could you, could you, um, maybe make certain people exempt? From the fees, if they can show um, that they're doing certain type of, of volunteer work, I, I don't but, know. I don't know what the answer is. But then you have, if you're doing that, though, then you have to spend some time trying to uh, disseminate between who's doing what in the in the uh, uh, hobby, and that's going to be very difficult to do. And of course, the FCC will probably want to charge more fees for that. <laughs> right. And and do you really want the government getting more involved no. in how you're using no. ham radio? I don't think no, absolutely do. not. Nope. Nope. Well, having said that, I mean it's not all bad news here. It's it's there is some good news. There's a silver lining to some of this, and that is uh in regards to the GMRS service. The GMRS service, uh of course right now, what is the fee for that? Seventy? Seventy five. I lost yeah. track now. But um 
they're proposing to make that $50 across the board, which is actually a you know, 20, 20 some odd dollar drop in the fee. I think that's a good thing. And there's that number 50 again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Keeping it simple. But you think about it, um, I think that's definitely a good thing. And we're already experiencing a, a surge in GMRS licenses and, uh, and, and uh, actually a, a greater interest in people wanting to get into GMRS radio these days. Yeah, I like that move too. I, I also like um, they've dropped the fee for a rule waiver from two hundred and ten dollars mm-hmm. to fifty dollars. And I actually had this yeah. uh, apply to me recently. Um, my GMRS license, I realized at the beginning of this year, had expired. I'd forgotten to renew it, and uh, it expired. So I lost my call sign because if I wanted to ask for a rule waiver to renew my expired license, it would have cost $210, even though it's an entirely automated process. So instead, I just got a brand new license with a new call sign for $70. And if you'd waited a couple more months, you probably could have gotten one for $50. Well, I could probably just go back. Now, once this passes, which I assume it will, um, I could probably go back and just renew my old one with a rule waiver and pay $50, but I'm not that married to my GMRS call sign. It's not like my, my amateur call sign. So now having said that, I mean, we're, we're sort of doing this. We're telling everybody this at the risk of maybe having a temporary halt to new GMRS licenses until everyone finds out, well, are they going to pass this? If they pass it, I'm going to wait and pay fifty dollars instead of seventy dollars when when uh, when this thing passes. So I um, bet there you I go. bet you have exactly zero people wait to save the twenty dollars. So. I agree. I, that's I think my it, guess. There's already so many people that don't get the license. You know, they're not going to wait. <laughs> but it, it's interesting. I I kind of like seeing this uh, interest in GMRS. I, I think that is a bit refreshing. And. Um, which is cool because we have some GMRS radios out that uh, that uh, are definitely worth investing in. Hey, we like cannot the keep these KG eight hundred five Gs in stock. We we cannot. Oh, they're, they're, they're out of stock again. Yep, yep. Uh, it's very very popular radio. It's it's proven to be a very very uh, powerful radio as well. Right, right. People seem to love them. And more are arriving tomorrow, supposedly. So uh, don't fret. By the time you're listening to this, we'll probably have them back. Yep. Well, we have some other news to talk about, some other things to talk about. So um, I'll tell you what, though. I know there's a lot of contention and there's a lot of concern about these licenses uh, or these license fees. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for my my opinion on this. (laughs) Probably well, I'm sure. I'm well, sure. It's going to be, you know. Uh, you know what? Let me have it. Let me have yeah, it. I'm yeah, ready. I mean that's what makes that's what makes life great. You know where can, where am I wrong? I want to know. Right. I mean, well, I'll tell you what. We want to hear what you think. We actually have a poll posted on our forum at twowayradioforum.com. So feel free to to jump in there and and respond to the poll and put in your comments. 
and uh, you'll you'll need to join the forum if if you're not already a member of it. But it's free; it doesn't cost you anything to join. It's it's just free to join up. Uh, but I'll tell you what: send us your comments. Also, tell us what you think. Send us your comments at uh, show at bytwoweirradios And if we use your comment on the show, if we read yours on the co- on the show, we'll send you. Uh, a two-way radio show t-shirt and some swag and uh so it's a win-win for you you get to sound off and and you get the opportunity to get some uh some swag free t-shirt that sort of thing wait, so, wait a minute. Uh, we're, we're paying our listeners to yell at me Is that what <laughs> just be nice be, be be nice i mean in respect well, you know, I, I wanted the feedback but i don't know if rude. i wanted that bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> And anyway, also, uh, what we have here, some other interesting items. We're speaking about uh, personal radio services. We have just signed on as a dealer with uh, with Dakota Alert. Uh, so we're, we're selling some uh, Dakota Alert MERS radios. So we've got a, a larger selection of MERS radios than we did before. Of course, we have our 805M MERS radio, which is a really good radio. And, uh, you know, we carry the Motorola uh, RMM twenty fifty, but we, we haven't had a whole lot uh, for MERS and and uh, until now, now we even have a base station for MERS, the Dakota Alert radios. Um, Anthony, maybe you can tell us what what uh, some of those products are. Yeah, I was pretty excited to come across these folks. Um, I actually was visiting some friends that have a a farm up in Denver, North Carolina, and they had some of these devices that and i was like we were sitting in the living room i said what's that noise and they said oh somebody's somebody's pulling in our driveway their driveway is about uh, i don't know a quarter of a mile off the the road the main drag and somebody's pulling in and i said what well, tell me all about this this is pretty interesting they had a little base station in their living room and but they have um basically a sensor it's a uh, on their you know on their fence post and when and it's got an antenna on it it's weatherproof awesome little deal there and when somebody pulls in they get an alert on their base station that somebody has come onto their property um hmm. so they can be on the lookout for it because they don't get a lot of visitors so you know it's it's nice to know you know people sneaking onto property things like that but um, but they use the MERS line of, of radio frequencies, which is I thought was um, you know great, license free, um, mm-hmm. works well outdoors, compatible with different products. So um, you know they they've got quite a bit um, uh, of products. So we haven't begun to add all their all their products to the site. I mean they've got things that you can place out in the woods that if you've got a husband or a wife that goes out in the woods and works a lot you can put different stations on different locations so if you can't get a hold of that person you it'll tell you basically where they crossed last um you know so it gives you an idea where to go look um they have a, a motion sensor as well right where yeah they do motion and send an alert based yeah. on that yeah it's got motion sensors um but uh, i'm trying to convince them now to buy the handy the handhelds that they've got um, to work coincide with their sensors that they've got on their, you know, right now they just have the base station inside their house. Um, but if you're out working in the yard or out in the, the shed, the barn or whatever, you're not going to hear that obviously. So the hand, you know, handheld on your belt 
you're going to hear it immediately. Um, so it's uh, it, I, I was pretty excited about coming on board with these folks. Um, I think there's a lot of folks that uh, my sister, for one, uses at her house. Um, you know, kind of the same deal. They've got them up on there on different places on their property. So if somebody comes in, um, they know. They know they get an alert that uh, that, that somebody's, you know, on their property. Um, and, and let's see who it is. It could be a dog or a deer setting it off. It could be a neighbor. It could be an intruder. Who knows? It, it's uh, not a bad thing to have. You know, I, I can think of a lot of different applications that this works and, and would be great for. Um, whether you're a a shop or a gas station or you know and you need to know when somebody you know motions you know somebody's pulling up there you get you got it um yeah i can think of lots of different applications for this so i'm pretty excited to you know to see where these things go so far we've had a pretty good response on them and and uh you know we'll see where they go yeah they have a couple of kits that are already to go with uh, one with an uh, uh, NHT, a handy talkie, and, and one with a base station kit that uh, that's already paired up with uh, with a transmitter that you can set out there and right and uh, and then you can add on to this as you need to. You can add more radios, more transmitters as you need. So it and, and it really uh, it doesn't mean that you have to go out and buy like ten of these kits. You can just add on as you need to. You can just right. add an extra transmitter here and an extra radio there. Is and, and you know if you've got a business or whatever that's growing, just just do it as you go along. And, and just the fact that you mentioned that's license free MERS means that you know it's pretty much compatible with any MERS radio. Right. I mean, if you you know they've got their radios, but it'll work with our eight hundred five M's. It'll work with the the Motorola branded uh, MERS radios. Um, it's uh you know you got several options so that's uh that's a good thing but um, that's a very yeah. flexible system yeah, yeah I, i'm I'm pretty excited about it like i said I, I you know we're always looking to add new products and i thought this was something that you know it's uh, don't know why we didn't think of it sooner or come across it sooner um but it's definitely radio related so and it's your you know you got your communication but you also got uh kind of a sense of security as well yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we, we have them here on our site at buy2bearradios.com. It's under Dakota Alert. Also, also, for anybody uh, beats me to the punch, if you enter the promo code SHOW at checkout, that's S-H-O-W, uh, you can save 5% off your order, and it goes for pretty much anything on the site. So uh, Dakota Alert radios, GMRS radios, ham radios, you know, well, any of the MERS radios, whatever you you, know, you want to get, promo code SHOW gets you 5% off your order. And uh, that's for you, the listeners of the uh, Two-Way Radio Show podcast. Uh, we have uh, a couple other things. Speaking of which, speaking of deals, we have a couple of things. We've got a, one that's about to close up here, I think, in, a, in, in another week. That's a Kenwood. Kenwood's doing a promotion for um, their professional radios and their Pro Talks. And uh, you, get, um, you get a gift card or rebate check plus a free multi-charger with every six radios you purchase. And that's good for the uh, PKT-23, the TK3230DX, the NXP500s, um, the 
TK2400, 3400, 2402, and the NX240, um, the V16P and the U16P. So that's a pretty good deal. We probably should also mention that Kenwood has recently released a lot of new models. They're replacing the, the 2400, 3400 series, um, which is probably going to come as a surprise to uh, a lot of people, uh, like it did to us. It's sort of a mm-hmm. spur of the moment thing. Yeah, it was a quick. Uh, it was a quick announcement. It was a, hey, we need to order some more uh, 3402s. Oh, wait, by the way, uh, we've got a few left, and this is the new model. <laughs> ideal. And this. These new models are covered under the current promotion too, right? Right. There's an equivalent. There's a chart that uh, shows an equivalent model. Like if you if you were buying a 2400 V16P, it will say, okay, this is your your new model. It's a N 1200 or or something. I'm not even um, I haven't memorized the new models yet. Yeah, they're the NXP NX P like 1302s, 1300s, um, things like that. Basically the same radios. They use it. What's great about them is they use the same accessories. They use the same earpieces. They use the same battery, same charger, probably the same antenna. I haven't verified that, but uh, the body just is a little bit different. It's you know kind of like a just a little facelift to it, kind of like they did between the thirty two thirty and the thirty two thirty DX. So um, it's also know, some it, cool digital options that they've added. Yeah, you they can, got some cool digital upgrade. options. And uh, zones, you can add more zones to these uh, analog radios, which is nice. Um, so basically, you know, 3402s were just 16 channel radios. Now they're based, now they can be 64 channel radios. Um, you wow. And if you buy the analog radio, can't you now update it? Like it's, it's already digital in the radio, but you can buy a license, which is like, like software, and upgrade right. your radio to digital without right. having to buy a new radio. Is that right? Right, absolutely. Well, and this, uh, the prices are are close to the old prices. Uh, some of them actually went down. Yeah, um, in price. I was uh, just glad that they did the. Uh, I think they hit a home run with keeping the accessories the same. But, you know, you you threw this on us last minute, but man, at least you kept the you know the the four two and four watt radios still use the KMB forty five Ls and the KSC thirty fives and and things like that, which is really nice. Right, I think keeping the same batteries accessory was, yeah. was, was huge. Yeah, I think consistency is good there. Uh, well, this promotion, this current promotion that uh, we're talking about, uh, ends September 30th, 2020, so you might want to take advantage of that uh, as soon as possible. If you're hearing this after the fact, Kenwood does these promotions from time to time, so uh, there might be another one uh, coming up um, uh, at some point soon. We don't know. We don't know when, but... Uh, it might be might be a little of a break between the two of them, just the case there is. You don't want to wait. You want to take advantage of it while you can. Now, to be outdone, uh, Motorola has one that's also expiring on the 30th uh, on their commercial tier radios. You buy 10 CP200Ds, and uh, you get a, a $40 rebate on each radio, plus you get a free earpiece for each radio so that you get you buy 10 CP200Ds, you get a $400 rebate total, plus 10 free earpieces, which is a, a pretty phenomenal deal. But that one ends uh, September 30th as well, so you, you definitely want to get on the yeah, site. Yeah, that one's, that one's that. instant, too, which is nice. You don't have yeah. to deal with the, you know, the, the money comes off right there, the savings, and the, we'll send you the earpieces. That's right. That's right. Well, Motorola has a, a, another one that they just started, and that's for their business 
tier. Uh, their on-site radios. It's called the Get Back to Work Safely promotion, and you buy six of the same series radios, and you get six audio accessories free, and so one for each radio. Plus, if you buy 12 of them, you get that same deal, plus you get a free multi-unit charger if you buy 12 yeah, of them. that's pretty awesome. So it is a pretty cool deal. And we've got a chart on our website at buy2wayradios.com showing you uh, which earpieces and uh, which particular model of, of uh, charger you get with how many radios. There's a little kind of calculator there of sorts that you can you can uh, figure it all out with. But uh, it's a great deal. That runs that one runs till the end of the year. That one runs till December 31st, 2020. So you've got a little bit of time on that. Uh, but there is one other thing. There's some late-breaking news from the FCC that we want to tell you about. And, uh, Danny, you you were the one that alerted me to this this morning. Uh, but this is in regards to, to Garmin and the FCC. What's that all about? Yeah, it looks like it came out yesterday. It's docket number 20-115. Basically, Garmin asked for a waiver of FCC rules that prohibit um, – radios on two different services. Um, what they want to do is build a radio that's, uh, that runs on MERS as well as a satellite radio. So what you'll have is a fee-based satellite radio that talks to the Iridium service um, with MERS as well. And the FCC has granted Garmin um, authorization to do that. Um, Which is something they don't do for everybody. <laughs> Well, it depends on um, – I haven't seen this specific thing asked before. I have seen uh, where they where, um, other manufacturers have asked for waivers of uh, the dual service uh, requirement, mm-hmm. I believe. But uh, in this case, they allowed it, whereas they've, they've declined it previously. But it, I've never seen it for satellite radio MERS combos before. And uh, it figures it would be Garmin because Garmin did much the same thing with uh, their GMRS radios some years back. They got a, a waiver uh, to be able to to uh, mix in uh, GPS functionality with their GMRS radios. So this order, once again, uh, Garmin did this with GMRS radios, but now they're doing it with MERS. And I think if, if they're going to be doing a MERS version of this sort of thing, that's uh, that's going to be very interesting. I'd like to see how that uh, how that works out. Yeah, I'm curious why they chose MERS because they already have a line of GMRS radios with their Rhino series, so it would make more sense to me to do a GMRS satellite combo. Yeah, but maybe that's uh, maybe they wanted it, it to be license free, and uh, mm-hmm. that's why they preferred MERS. Plus, MERS is more of an outdoors. Um, because it's VHF, it's more of an outdoor service, I guess. Well, maybe yeah, we started some something. I think we did. I think you're right, Anthony. I think we did. They no nobody was really paying attention to MERS until we we jumped in and, and started offering a, a new MERS radio. And now everyone seems to be getting into the game. Yeah. We're trendsetters. We set the bar. <laughs> Uh, maybe (laughs) so anyway um if there's no other new news uh for this episode i do have a couple of comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com since i find them 
a couple of simple ones. Actually, the first one's a comment. This is a comment from James, and he's responding to episode 149. That was when uh, we we're talking about uh, whether or not the uh, whether or not the THUV88 is going to be a Balfung UV5R killer. His comment is, uh, Chirp support is definitely coming as I've got it working on my machine and have handed over the code, and that's from James. And uh, there was some question as to whether or not Chirp would, would be supporting the UV88. So this is, uh, this is definitely good news. Yeah, and that's, that's a comment from the guy himself that uh, yep. uh, we owe thanks to for adding it to Chirp. So thank, thank you very much, James. Absolutely. Thank you, James. Uh, here is a question from Paul, and he is actually responding to episode 106. He says, I'm desperately trying to find a video that gives me the correct steps to program my Baofeng UV5R to suit the 80 channels downloaded for Australian use from Chirp. I cannot find one that gives the same constant settings. The techs don't seem to have a clue what they're doing. Two weeks ago, I hooked up to a really basic video that gave simple, accurate instructions on how to set up my four radios so that they all communicated when I pressed the transmit button. But somehow I have upset the settings and I have spent dozens of hours trying to reset all the radios to use, transmit, and receive on the 80 channels allocated for Australian use. Any help or advice would be greatly appreciated. And that's from Paul. Um, you know, I the thing is, we're, we're based in the U.S. And the reason I'm, uh, I'm including this was because the two-way radio show is heard all around the world. We, we, we have listeners from around the world. And even though we're U.S.-centric, we do respond to some queries when we can. Now, this particular one, we're not really that familiar with the uh, Australian channels, the 80 channels there, but I, I have looked it up, and that is the CB radio band in Australia, and it's also used in, in a few other countries, but the Australian band, which is 80 channels, um, and that that is using basically uh, not, not the same CB that we use here in the United States. Uh, here in the United States, CB is, is on an AM uh, service, and uh, there in Australia, they're using uh, frequencies uh, in the 476 band, which is within within the scope of, of the UV5R. But um, in terms of programming it, I looked over all this, and I didn't see anything really difficult in assigning these channels and frequencies to... to now, they, they do have... Most of them are, are on the 12.5 kilohertz uh, frequency spacing, and a few of them on 25 uh, kilohertz, but that's generally easily taken care of with UV5R, so I don't really see where the issue is. However, if you've... I do have a little bit of advice in terms of of um, retaining those channels. What I do... Now, what I do in particular, and I'm pretty sure Danny and you and Anthony do the same thing, is that when we get a radio in and I'm doing some testing on a new radio, the first thing I always do when I uh, connect it to the programming cable and open it up with whatever programming software I use, is the first thing I do is uh, I upload the current radio settings that are in the radio to the programming software, and I save that file. I save it so I have the original file there. Then when I program all my channels in and all my frequencies in, um, I'll 
I'll send that to the radio, test it to make sure it works, and then if I know it's working, then I will save that file, that modify file, so that if I have to go back to it or, or something gets corrupted, because I do a lot of things, you know, all three of us do a lot of things uh, with the radios when we're testing um, these radios, and we'll go through and we'll change all kinds of settings and, and, and whatnot, and if we want to go back to the uh, original programming file that we created for it to, to reset all that, uh, well, obviously we want to be able to do that quickly and, and, and efficiently, so we just go in and reload the file that we saved after we made whatever changes we made, and then we have it. It's just back in the radio. It's not a problem. Um, yeah, it, it, really I have, does, it really does sound like something is off uh, with his mm-hmm. settings or something. It should be a simple thing to, to program in a channel, so I would suggest taking your advice, Rick, and maybe resetting the radio back to its factory defaults and then reading the radio into chirp um, and probably save that file as a, a default file so you can go back to it later if you need it. But then don't put in all 80 frequencies. Get one channel working first with one of those frequencies. And once you have right. one channel working, then add the other 79 um, using the same type of setup as the, the first one. What Here's another tip in that same respect is that after you get a couple of these channels working, one or two, save that file and then keep working to, to build the others. And then if you come across a situation where all of a sudden it's not working anymore after you've input a few more channels, then you go back to your previous save and reload that to where you know it was working. It's an, it's an old troubleshooting technique, but it's very effective, and that'll save you many, many hours of having to reprogram everything. I agree with you. I agree. Sounds good. Okay, and our last question comes from Dan, and uh, he has a question about the GXT-1000. He says, the owner's manual says that it can also be charged through the mic slash charge port. What charger or adapter is used for this? And that's from Dan. Uh, good question, Dan. I, I was wondering about that myself many, many years ago when I first started using the uh, GXT series radios. I'm saying, okay, well, it can be charged, but what do you use to charge it with? Because the, the adapter that comes with the radio doesn't fit in there. It's, it's specifically for the, for the uh, desktop charger, and uh, I don't have anything else that came with the radio that I can plug into it to charge. So what is it? Well, it's actually, um, it's actually an accessory that Midland sells separately, that is called the LXADP, and uh, it is a dual uh, charger. What it is is that it, it has two charging ports. Uh, it's an AC adapter. You plug it into the wall, and it has two charging ports, so you can plug each one of them into that charging port in the radio to charge the radio with. And uh, the LXADP, well, uh, a few years back, uh, Midland discontinued that uh, accessory and so you couldn't get it anymore we had i think we got the last batch of them that were available and they sold out really really quickly as a matter of fact i think i got the last one I, i've got one sitting downstairs with my gxt 1050s that i've used on occasion and it works pretty well and um i was thinking you know what uh i don't know what to do at that point if, if they're not available anymore but I went up on Midland's site the other day and found that they've got it back. It's back for sale, and we're we're back to carrying this. 
And we have some more on the way, as a matter of fact, as right. we're speaking, I believe. So uh, they will uh, they will be back in stock if you if you need them for your radios. And I th- I think they never should have gotten that rid of that accessory anyway. As many of uh, GXT radios, and this works for the LXT, most of the LXT radios, and most of the GXT radios. The only exception is it does not work on the GXT two thousand, the twenty fifty, or the uh, old GXT five thousand. There's a the only models they don't work on, but all the others, uh, they should work. They should work just fine. All right. Well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions in this episode. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on Apple Podcasts, Blueberry.com, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, anywhere where you can find a podcast, you can find ours. Before we go, any final comments? I think we covered it. I think we're good. All right. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoyle. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out.